Hello and welcome to another episode of the Author's Lab, and I am your host, Allison G. Daniels, four-time best-selling author of over 31 books, book writing coach, and CEO and founder of AGD Publishing. Today, we are going to talk about brand awareness, how to build your brand, and I have with me on the line, Kimya Scott. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Allison. And hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Introduce yourself to our listening audience. Sure. Thank you. Well, my name is Kenya Scott, a.k.a. Miss Kenya Online, and I am a digital marketing and social media strategist, and I serve small businesses, coaches, speakers, authors, and the like. And I am here to help you build a proper foundation for your marketing so that you can ultimately grow and scale your business using the most effective and efficient marketing strategies. Thank you. So um, should here's one of the questions that I have for you. Actually, I have a mm-hmm. few, but here's <laughs> one. Um, should a client have a consistent brand image and why? Great question. Yes. Every business should have a consistent brand image. And the reason for that is you do not want to create confusion in the mind of your ideal customer. And so if your image is consistent in terms of the visuals, in terms of the tone, um, where you show up, how you show up, you become a more memorable expert, if you will, in your particular industry. And this helps the client to figure out if you are the right person for them. So that's why it's important for it to be consistent because a confused mind does not buy. I'm sure you may have heard that uh, cliche before, but it also applies to your branding as well. I I like what you said, um, a confused mind does not buy. Because a lot of times when you're looking at, um, and I even say that about myself sometimes, I want to make sure that all of my colors, you know, all of my um, logos and things that I have, that they're Mm -hmm. all consistent um, when Mm -hmm. I put it out. So what are some key components to start out with for a brand image if you're working on a budget or working with a budget? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's face it, we're all working with a budget. (laughs) just going to keep it real. We're always working with a budget. And when it comes to branding, our budget is typically going to be low. And that's usually because we don't know how to set the budget. We don't know that we even need a budget for these types of things. So if you are working and you're just starting out or you need to reinvent your brand or really tighten it up, there are a few key things that you should think about when it comes to your brand. I'll start with the visuals because that's where most people start to think about their colors. And so when it comes to a brand, you know, your reputation and the quality of your products and services also tie into your brand image. So think about um, the the tone that you want to emit with your brand. When you're thinking about your colors, do you have a, a strong brand, a loud brand? Is it a soft brand? Is it a masculine brand? Is it a feminine brand? Does your brand need to attract 
moms versus school-age children versus teenage guys. So with that said, what colors would resonate with that targeted audience? Also, your font choices, the same thing. Some fonts are very um, narrow and thin. Some fonts are very hard. Some fonts are very conservative and traditional. Think about what your audience will resonate with when you are selecting your font. So we have colors and we have fonts. Next, let's talk about the tone of your brand. Is it, again, is it loud? Is it brash? Are you sassy? Um, are you all times politically correct? Are you very conservative? Are you classy and cuss a little? What's the tone of your brand? And so when you have, when you define a certain tone for your brand, that ties into the language that you will use for your brand. You know, certain words may make sense for a sassy brand, and those words are very off-putting for a conservative brand. So when you are considering the language you use and the word choice that you have, you have to keep in mind the tone of your brand and what you want that to contain. And then finally, we can talk about the graphics uh, or the logos that you have. You know, when it comes to your graphics, all of these things play its part. So if you're thinking about your colors and your font choices and your tone, when you're looking at your graphics, do your graphics match that, that brand set that you just created? You know, if you have a very soft, feminine, for example, if your brand is very soft and feminine and your colors are pastels, you would not use stock photos that are very dark, that are be, uh, very bold, um, that have um, deep, uh, deep black um, spots on them, for example, or um, strong like lines and graphics in them embedded in your stock photos because that's a disconnect. You can't have a brand that's soft and feminine uh, with pastels and then all your graphics are dark. They have, uh, they're super dark. Um, they're, they're muddled, they're very, um, they're zoomed in on particular things. Your graphics will also be light. They would naturally probably have a white background. They will have softer elements. The elements would be smaller in the background. And so that, those are, are four key things when it comes to a consistent brand. Those are four key things that I recommend you watch out for. Your colors, your font choices, the tone of the language you use, and your graphics. Wow, that is excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that because I'm sitting here writing it down like, uh-huh, you're going to check this, I'm going to check mine, you know, go back and look at my colors and everything. All of that makes a difference. And yeah. um, I really started paying more attention to it, I'll say about two, three years ago. Well, I always had red and white, but then mm -hmm. I incorporated um, a touch of gold because sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, um, everyone knows me for the red rose. But sometimes mm -hmm. the red rose, I have to fade it a little bit so it doesn't always look like it's a pile of roses all around me. But, yes. um, God, you, you shared a lot of um, key points that I'm going to go back and look at my um, brand and make sure I'm in line. <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, what are other ways that you can build your brand? Or those are like the main four. Okay, so... 
when it comes to the components of your brand, those are the main four. And then how you build your brand is a different thing altogether. So building your brand, your brand is essentially, and I use cliches because cliches are true and most people, it's it's wider cliches, (laughs) but your brand, your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. Okay. Okay. So what do you want people to say about you when you leave the room? So when you are thinking about building your brand, um, it includes where you show up, whether there are social media platforms that you show up on, whether there are in-person events that you show up on, whether you speak on virtual summits, or in this case, how, what is the content of your book? That's part of your brand. Content is a huge part of the brand because that's where all the language is, and that's where all of those other pieces that I've talked about as the components of your brand, your content is where all of those are manifested. That's where you share all of these critical elements. And so when you are looking to build your brand, I always recommend speaking, whether you get interviewed on a podcast such as Allison's podcast, whether you write a book, because I know your audience, I'm, I met you as an author, so I know, yeah. you know, um, writing is a fast path to cash when you build out your programs and services. And, and really, uh, networking is another great way to build your brand when you are meeting people, um, the, the person that they meet, the energy that they meet. That's how you build your brand. And so for me, I am... Um, <laughs> I'm energetic when you meet me. I'm energetic when you talk to me. I'm energetic when I write online. And so if someone has followed me for years on social media, whenever I meet them in person, I get the same reaction. You are the same person (laughs) I saw on Twitter. Like that's literally the reaction. And for me, that is the ultimate compliment because that's how I know that my brand is cohesive and it's authentic. If I'm the same person online versus the phone versus you meeting me in person, then I've done my job in terms of presenting a consistent brand image. So all of those things matter, and those are some of the things you need to think about and keep in mind. Make sure you aren't a different person. You know, your, your, your language can change a little bit depending on your social media platform since that's where most of us are, but make sure it doesn't change too much. You want it to be consistent. If you are high-strung on Twitter, be high-strung on Facebook and be high-strung in your interviews. Don't tamp down your enthusiasm trying to be classy and politically correct. If that's not you, go with you. Go with the authenticity of your brand because people will remember that and they'll associate the authenticity of really who you are with your brand no matter where they interact with you. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because I was just thinking how a lot of times, you know, you find that people want to be on every platform, but mm-hmm. you can't be, your brand can't be on every platform if it doesn't line up with what you're doing. And so I think we have to make sure that, you know, when we say, you know, I want to be on this show, I want to be on that radio show, that it lines up with what you're doing. Um, you does that make exactly. sense? Exactly. Yes. I'm over here clapping. Yes, Alex. <laughs> that, that is so true and so critical. Before you say yes to, if you get an invitation to someone else's space, before mm-hmm. you say yes or before you make that decision, 
You need to know what that space is and does it align with your brand? Absolutely, because all places are not for you. Every space has its own vibe and you have to make sure that it aligns with your brand and your purpose. You nailed it. Yes, thank you. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> Wow, so the two things that I turned down this year, it, it, it wasn't, it's, it's nothing personal, and it's never personal when I'm dealing with business, but mm -hmm. I have to make sure that it lines up with what um, I know that I've been called to do. So I can't be on every platform, and I can't accept every invitation. So, no, um, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you said it. It's not personal. You said it. It's right. not personal. When it's business and it's about your brand, you have to safeguard your brand the way yes. you safeguard your body. Your brand is your reputation. That's all you have is your reputation. And so don't play loosey goosey with it. Take right. care of it, nurture right. it, and, and, and be, you're responsible for that. And, and it does matter what spaces you enter. Absolutely. Yes. Now, how can a client find um, mm -hmm. networking opportunities that actually line up with their brand? Well, I say experiment. Um, you know, you never know what may come from different opportunities. And if you are not 100% sure as to what your brand is, what you want it to be, or if you're not 100% sure about who your ideal client is, Go out there and hit the streets, hit it all. Go wherever you can find an opportunity to shine your light, to talk, to meet, to network, because it's only by attending and interacting with everyone that you figure out what you like and you don't like. That's how you figure out what's useful and what's not useful. And so if you're in the beginning stages, I say talk to everybody, mix it up and network with everybody. Now, once you figure out who your ideal client is, you figure it out, um, who the best person is to buy your products and your services, and, and you have a, a steady, um, strong brand that you know this is the direction you want to go, then you go, and I always start online, go online, and I'm going to say something that most people don't talk about. Start local. Who are you connected to locally? See, the problem that we have with the Internet is we have over 7 billion people on Earth, and so they can literally be anywhere on the Internet. So if you think about that, you are a needle in a haystack if you do not have a solid presence yet. I tell people to start local. Start where you are. You can look for people online in your local area. Search by your city, by your neighborhood. See what's happening locally. You can attend local events in person, or you can attend them online. So places like Meetup, Nextdoor, of course, a Facebook great ways to find people locally. And um, you can really connect because then you have something in common. A lot of times it's easier to connect locally because you, sh you share a commonality because you're in the same place already. So just that commonality breeds familiarity. And so you can, you can easily talk to someone because you can share, have you been to this restaurant? Have you been to this location? Have you been to this theater? Are you familiar with this neighborhood? That's an immediate icebreaker. And so if you're looking to network, start locally. And then once you have that figured out, then start statewide, start regionally, and then start thinking about, okay, where can I find my ideal client? Should you network with people at the Chamber of Commerce for your products and services? Or should you go to 
um, a civic organization that is putting on different events for the community. You know, perhaps you want to attend a conference that's geared toward folks in your industry. Now, here's the thing when you're looking to network. You have two different sets of people to network with. You want to net with, network with your peers and your colleagues in your industry. That's the first set. But then you also want to network with potential clients and customers. That's the second set. So you have to make a distinction between those two sets, then figure out where to go to find them. Hey, look, I couldn't even write it down fast <laughs> enough, but I'm going to go back and listen to this. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. But listen, you made a really good point, too, because when you said, um, you know, people want to go outside of, you know, the area, but what about, um, you know, locally? And sometimes we don't even think about that. We're like, I want to go to California. I want to go here. Mm -hmm. I want to go there. But there's so much um, a wealth of knowledge right here, yes. you know, within our local um, community, within our, yes. um, you know, local networks. So we're going to um, take a break right now, and we will be right back because I have a few more questions. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Marcus Johnson. And starting September 18th, I'd like to invite you to join me Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. for the Flow Podcast with Marcus Johnson. Flow is spelled F-L-O with no W and it means for the love of. As an award-winning entrepreneur, musician, lawyer, professor, and most importantly, a dad, I've had many experiences that have taught me invaluable lessons and tools that we all can use to achieve our highest potential. We call it going deeper. If you're an entrepreneur looking for foundational strategies for creating and enjoying your success, a parent looking for the self-care needed to maximize your engagement in your family and your occupation, or if you're just looking to live the journey of life with intention, love, passion, work-life balance, and happiness, The Flow Podcast is for you. So starting September 18th on Saturdays at 9 a.m., join me for The Flow Podcast with Marcus Johnson. It's for the love of you. Streaming on all major platforms. Hi, this is Allison G. Daniels, three-time best-selling author who has written over 31 books. I am a book writing coach and publisher. I am excited today to offer you my 30-day Write to Finish book writing program. Whether you are preparing to write a book, are in mid-process, or have completed your first draft of a full-length book, this workshop is for you. What you would get, you will learn how to draft your outline, brainstorm and organize your ideas, identify your target audience, develop your content, avoid common writing mistakes, and time management. To get started, visit my website at www.agdpublishing.com. Take advantage of this opportunity before the class is full. This is Allison G. Daniels, and I look forward to working with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Authors Lab podcast. I am your host, Allison G. Daniels, best-selling author, coach, and publisher. Our topic today is 
brand awareness, how to build your brand. And I have with me Kimia Scott. So I have a few more questions for her. So here's another question. How can a potential client develop relevant content for their business or for their brand? Okay. So you ready for this one? (laughs) (laughs) To develop content, figure out what products and services you want to sell. And you're going to reverse engineer the process. Now, I make that sound real simple. (laughs) But... That is it in a nutshell. You figure out what you want to sell first. Because here's the thing. A lot of people, they just throw out a bunch of spam. They throw out content. They have no plan, no reason for it. You first, if you're in business, your goal is to generate revenue. How are you going to generate said revenue? You're going to sell products and services. So what products and services do you want to sell? And then figure out how to reverse engineer your content to naturally lead people to find your product or service as the best solution for their problem. So I'll use myself as an example. So I am a social media manager. A lot of my content is related to giving you tips and insights on social media. Why is that? Because I'm positioning myself as an expert in social media for small business. This naturally leads you to hire me if you're looking for a social media manager. So for that service, social media management, I developed tons of content related to social media. Now, I'm also a marketing strategist, and I put together you know, marketing campaigns, marketing plans for different, different sets of folks. That's a service I offer. And so my content is related to marketing, branding, how to get visibility in the marketplace how to establish credibility as an expert in your niche. The reason that is my content is because my goal is to sell a service as a marketing strategist. Now, there are tons of things that I can talk about related to business, tons of things. I can talk about systems. I can talk about operations. I can talk about um, hiring and outsourcing. I I can talk about tons of things. But if I don't have a relative product or service to sell, then I'm just talking with no end game. I don't have a logical next step for you, which is why I shy away from a lot of topics. Because believe me, the the entity of entrepreneurship, I can talk about so many things under that umbrella. And to be honest, a lot of times I want to, but I look at my brand and I say, Kenya, that doesn't make sense. That's not what your audience expects from you. It doesn't make sense to call yourself a marketing strategist, a social media strategist, a social media manager, and you're sitting here talking about HR systems. That's not even logical. And yet a lot of people do that because they're not thinking about their end game and why they're pushing out content in the first place. And so that's why you start with the products and services that you all offer and drill down, okay, what kind of content can I share based on what I want to sell that will position me as an expert, as credible, and as knowledgeable that naturally you will have me positioned in your mind as that resource when you're ready to hire or ready to buy. Wow, that's a wealth of knowledge right there. So I'll be contacting you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's another question for you. Should Mm -hmm. Should a potential client use the call to action to strengthen their brand and why? 
Absolutely. So the call to action or the CTA, if you ever see that acronym, it's a call to action. And the call to action is telling your audience member what to do next, what you want them to do next. And the reason why you want to do that is, you know, we're human and oftentimes we think people are mind readers and they know exactly what to do. We all do it. I do it. You know, and it's like, well, you read that blog post, of course hire me, or of course sign up, or of course leave a comment. No, of course, humans, we don't use, you know, but a small percentage of our brains. <laughs> and we don't think what the next step is without being directly told. And so the call to action is telling people to click that link in bio to read that post. Uh, schedule a discovery call with me. Buy this you know, hair balm to strengthen your, your hair follicles. We have to tell people what to do. And so you want to use calls to action that directly relate to what that next step that you want your audience member to take. Now, here's the thing. You can have very basic call to actions and people, you know, I'll use Instagram as an example. They'll say, click the link in bio. Okay, that as a standalone doesn't tell me what to do. You want to say, click the link in bio to book a discovery call with me. Click the link in bio to read the, the article, Solopreneur's Guide to Brand Awareness on my blog. Like You want to be very specific with the next step you want that person to take. So even on your website or your landing pages, for example, and you have a lead magnet and you want someone to sign up for your list, don't simply say, sign up for my newsletter. Nobody is waking up thinking about how many newsletters they can sign up for. <laughs> Nobody. Mm -hmm. You want them to, you know, sign up to get my weekly marketing strategies. Sign up to get a sample chapter of my book with the title. You want not only to give them the call to action, but you want to tell them what they're clicking for. And you use that to strengthen their brand because it takes people through a natural progression of interacting and engaging with you. That's why you want to use it, and that's how it strengthens your brand. So they read something, and you just keep dropping breadcrumbs, keep telling them the next step. If you are sending out emails, you want to have a call to action in your, in your email campaigns. You don't just want to say bye. You want to say hit reply and let me know X, Y, Z. Or if you have clickable links, click here to read or click here to take this survey. That's how they strengthen your brand. You give people a logical process. And this way, as you continue and you ultimately say, buy, buy this or sign up here or join me here, things make sense because you're just helping them along. And it actually helps your audience. They don't have to think. That's one less thing they have to think about. You're literally mm -hmm. telling them what the next step is. Okay, that sounds really great. I was trying to write down as much as I could. <laughs> Do you think that it's good practice for a client to go beyond what their competitors are doing? Yes, 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 is the short answer. <laughs> now, the reason why you want to go beyond what your competitors are doing is that you don't know um, what they're not doing. You need to know what's not, what needs are not being met in the marketplace. So oftentimes we look at our competitors as a benchmark. You can look at your competitors 
for tips, for insights, for suggestions, but ultimately what's the brand that you're trying to create, uh, craft and what are, what's missing in the marketplace that your competitor may not be covering? There could be loopholes or gaps that if you look at your competitors, you see a commonality and a thread of some things they're doing well, some things they are, aren't doing so well. Fill that gap. You become the company that not only serves as your competitors, but you go a step beyond and you fill the gap to ultimately meet the customer's needs. So you want to use your competitors as references, but you don't want to adopt every practice they have and make yourself them because that's not your brand. Nobody needs a clone. You want to step out and shine on your own. And a great way to do that is look at the gaps in the marketplace and fill those gaps. Yes, thank you. So what is a um, referral program, and should a client create a referral program for their business? Absolutely. So a referral program can be very, very informal. So a referral program can also be considered a loyalty program, depending on what industry and niche you're serving. So a referral program basically rewards people, rewards your customers for telling their friends about you. That's at its core what a referral program is. Now, how this benefits your brand is you enable your customers to become your brand ambassadors for you. You enable your customers to amplify your message, amplify your marketing, and you will reward them for it. And that's why you really want to use some type of referral program if you can, if it makes sense for your business, because think of it as your army of salespeople. If someone, you know, for example, I'll use Dropbox, for example, the, the cloud storage, they use referrals to build their entire brand. That was their model, because when they launched, the more you shared about Dropbox, you referred your friends and gave them the link. When they signed up, you got extra storage. They got storage, you got storage. That's how Dropbox built their entire model. And now Dropbox is a household name, at least for us business owners it is. And so that really, if you need proof of concept, Dropbox is the proof of concept. It's really just building an army of, of brand ambassadors that are sharing your brand, sharing how fantastic it is and why you should buy into it. And then you can develop the rewards for your referral program. Some people give a percentage off of their products or services. Some people send people who refer, they send them discounts, they send them swag, they may repost their content on social media, they may shout them out in their magazine. It's all different ways to re reward people, but you can build an informal referral program, or you can use many of the cloud-based solutions to adopt a more formal referral structure with, you know, specific links and things like that. But it is absolutely a beneficial for your brand to develop a referral program. Thank you. That's really good to know. And I definitely didn't know that about um, Dropbox. So mm -hmm. here's a final thought. Um, your brand awareness building toolkit, what does that consist of? What does it consist that of? Makes sense. That consists of your visual elements, like we talked about your colors and your fonts, and your graphics, and your logos, and your 
uh, branded images, whether you have selfies or you get a professional photo shoot as part of your brand awareness building toolkit, and those are the visuals. Then look at the language that you use, the language, whether you're writing a tweet, whether you're writing blog posts, whether you're writing uh, email marketing campaigns, look at the language that you use. Oftentimes you probably use similar language over and over again, whether it's hashtags or it's like a epithet or something you always say, you know, it's something you may always refer to, and it could be part of your uh, individual brand identity. So you think about the tone and the language. Then you think about the products and services that you offer. Are they really uh, aligned with the purpose of your organization? Are your products and services staying true to your brand? Again, I'll go back to that example where I could talk about anything. Okay, so if I'm a marketing strategist, social media manager, me selling stuffed animals, as much as I love stuffed animals, makes no sense for my brand. Me talking about nail polish three days a week, nail polish is one of my jams, makes no sense. I would never offer that, that, that product for my brand. And so mm -hmm. the products and services that you sell and how they align with the purpose of your business, that's part of your brand awareness building toolkit. And then your process for networking, collaborating, and interacting with people. That's also part of your toolkit because you are going to frequent certain types of establishments, certain types of events. You're going to network with certain types of people. All of these things that are helping you to build brand awareness for your company, for your business, including, of course, your website and your social media channels. All of these things should be considered as part of your toolkit, and all of these things should be reviewed regularly to make sure you are staying consistent with your language, with your visual elements, with your time, with who you are networking with and collaborating with, where you're speaking, how you're speaking. Consider all of these things and make sure to review these, you know, you know a couple times a year just to ensure you're staying on track and on purpose with your mission. Thank you, thank you so much for sharing that. How can the listening audience get in contact with you? Um, I live at marketingsparkler.com. I'm in at marketing, S-P like Paul, A-R-K-L-E-R.com. You can find me on social media as Ms. Kenya. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Pinterest. <laughs> Those are my social media channels. I am always easy to connect with. I mean, again, I have a blog that actually turned 10 years old this April 1st. So if you really want to spend some time learning about all these things, you can do it for free on my blog. Go to markandsparkler.com, grab a notebook, and read. <laughs> Yes, and you know what? That's what I've been doing, um, <laughs> looking at yours from um, LinkedIn. And so mm -hmm. that's how I stay connected. I'm like, oh, my God, yes. a lot of stuff going on. So I love it. Um, so I thank you um, for being on the show, and we will definitely talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. As you can tell, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, you are so welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining another episode of the Author's Lab. If you would like to learn more about my 30-day write-to-finish book writing program, please visit my website at www.agdpublishing.com. Again, that's www.
www.addpublishing.com. And you have a wonderful day. Peace. Thank you.